And we're live. Another episode of Athletic Insights. Athletic Insights is a podcast which is designed to be a resource for youth sports athletics, organizations, parents, and young athletes looking to get a glimpse in behind the scenes of elite athletics. We're joined here tonight by our guest, Trent Corney. Trent, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, we appreciate your time. Again, another local uh, local product from Brockville who's been able to do a lot of wonderful things um, with sports and whatnot, which we're going we're gonna to dive into here shortly. But Trent, first of all, why don't you just take a moment to introduce yourself and then give us a little, uh, give us a little play-by-play of what your youth, sports, uh, your youth sports experience entailed growing up. Okay, yeah, I'm Trent. I'm from Brockville. Um, I've always dreamed of uh, playing in the NFL and growing up, my first love was actually track and field. My dad was a big track athlete and got me doing track at a young age. I remember breaking records when I was like 10 years old. My dad used to take me to meets, me and my brother, we used to break all the records, but to be honest, there wasn't many, you know, kids even competing at that age. It just goes to show that how committed we were at the young age. But anyways, I got really serious to track, ended up doing really well. Um, won a lot of was on team Ontario multiple times and I uh, had an amazing experience with track. I firmly believe that track was my fundamental base for all my sports. It, it gave me the speed and strength and, and most importantly, the, the work ethic because running like doing sprint workouts, there's nothing comparable. And I think that really um, grew my work ethic and made me really strong mentally Anyways, I ended up uh, falling in love with lifting weights. I got really big and decided that I was going to be too big for track. So then my dream transferred to, you know, I wanted to play football at the highest level possible. My dream was to play, get a Division One scholarship for football and try to make the NFL. And um, I ended up, I ended up uh, going D1 down to University of Virginia. I had a really good four years there. Graduated and... Um, had a, had a tryout with, uh, signed a, like a, uh, like a training camp with the uh, Jets and unfortunately it didn't work out and I ended up playing the CFL for three years and now here I am. And that's very, that's awesome. Would you say that track was not just your foundation, but was that your first love in terms of athletics? Yeah, track was definitely my first love. Um, I honestly believed that I was going to make the Olympics one day. But the thing that got in the way of that was just um, my love for lifting weights and just, you know, growing the mind and body. And, um, you know, I really liked the way my body transformed. I feel like I have the genetics to put on muscle very easily. And I love the, you know, the whole Arnold thing. I love the pumps in the gym. And I eventually, basically what happened was I loved working out more than I loved, you know, track or maybe even football. So, you know, that's kind of why I'm, I'm actually pursuing that avenue now. I can talk about it later. Yeah, we're but... going to touch yeah. base on your, your next uh, adventure. Let's not give it away yet, but um, before we get too deep into it, can you just give us a little bit more um, a little bit more insights to the sort of things that you were doing at a young age that helped separate you? Well, honestly, I would say the, most, the biggest thing is that uh, separated me from the rest was probably my father. My father had a huge role in my athletic career. I can guarantee you most fathers were not doing the same things uh, my father was doing with me. 
he got me in within athletics real early. And I want to make this clear right from the get go that my dad didn't force me to do do any of these things. Right. I I wanted I wanted to do all these things. I loved playing sports. I I've always was a really hyperactive kid. Uh, you know, I, I was diagnosed with like ADHD, which most kids were. And I always loved to just run around and do things. So I was, I loved doing sports, but I would say the biggest advantage was my dad was taking me to these sporting events. I feel like a lot of kids don't have the, um, the same resources I had in terms of my father taking me to these events and doing all these different things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, definitely. So Trent's father, Dave, uh, very instrumental in his, uh, athletics as he, from a young age and uh he's still in the gym dave's got to be pushing 50 now and he looks like he's 25 so um absolutely trent do you want to just tell us a little bit about um all the attention you got growing up how you kind of navigated that because um there's a lot of young kids in the community and and we shouldn't say a lot but there there are kids out there um who get the same type of attention you did growing up whether it be via track or basketball or or football or what what have you but um, it's a, it's uncharted waters when it, when it kind of punches you in the face. So when did you start getting, um, attention and how did you and your family navigate it? Uh, well, firstly, um, I was always pretty athletic, but to be honest, I didn't start to break through until I, I hit, you know, puberty in grade nine, 10 ish. And that's when I really took off a message I would like to send out to all the kids out there is, always stay humble and keep working hard eventually it's going to work out because i remember a lot of kids were actually more athletic than me growing up in elementary school i wouldn't um, say a lot there was there was a few kids that were more impressive than i was in elementary school be, solely because they hit puberty really right early and i continued to work and i knew that you know looking at my dad he's six three like 225 230 i knew i was probably gonna hit a grossberg soon mm-hmm. and um what happened was I, it happened and I, I, um, I stayed humble and kept working hard and then I caught all those guys. And when did you, when did you feel that you knew that you were a little bit on the special side in terms of um, you knew that you were going to be able to do things physically that other people could do, couldn't do, sorry. That's a really, um, to me, I've always um, struggled with this kind of question, honestly, because when you put in so many hours of, in the gym and we, we work really hard, hard to tell where you would be naturally. So like I started working really hard at a young okay. age. It's, it's, it's hard for me to tell how much of it was just naturally given, how much it was hard work. I definitely think I had a, like the frame and the structure and the fast twitch fibers to be successful in sports, but I really can't tell you where I would be like how much my natural ability got me to where I am today. For sure. For sure. Um, so what, what ended up, I know you had said you basically realized you were going to get too big for track and that's kind of, um, what pushed you into football, but let's just talk a little bit about, um, your track experience growing up. Cause I know you got to do some, some team Canada stuff and you, you got, uh, some medals at Offsa. So let's just go down your track Avenue before we switch to, uh, to football. Yeah, I just, um, my dad was really big in the track and, um, I really enjoyed doing track. I loved all the dis- different disciplines. Um, I feel like, you know, I wanted to be the complete athlete, so I was doing all these different events. And to be honest with you, just like any other kid, I was ha- seeing success in, in a lot of success in, in track, so I continued to do it. And um, 
basically, like I said, I, I kind of outgrew the sport. I just got up to like two fifty, close to two fifty in high school, and there's the only real event I could do would be like maybe shot put or maybe discus. But um, I just I just wanted to do I wanted to do football because I thought that my athletic ability just translated into football with the, the speed and the strength. Absolutely. Um... And you went into – so for you guys listening at home, Trent uh, played Division One football for uh, the University of Virginia. So do you want to just walk us through what your recruiting process looked like when, when the attention and the offers started coming, the sort of things you were doing to get yourself exposure? Yeah. Well, I had a really unique uh, recruiting process. The way I did it was not how I re- would recommend um, I can tell I can tell you the proper yep, way of yep. doing it, but for, first I'll tell you my pr- process. So basically, me and my father were really late into the whole knowledge in terms of the recruiting process, and I didn't start, you know, working at that until maybe grade eleven, grade twelve. Ideally, you want to start going to camps and, and such when you're like ninth, tenth grade, like right away, get that exposure right from the get go. I didn't really start going to camp until like grade 12, which I was way behind the eight ball mm-hmm. on it. But uh, basically I, 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 um, I was introduced to Victor Tadondo, he gridiron Academy up in Ottawa. He's rocking up like tons of D one guys every year. Um, basically what he does is he does these little, he takes these guys to camps. He takes these, uh, his football athletes to camps in the States and they compete on seven on seven, like passing, uh, games and different like big man challenges and basically he just gets he gets athletes exposures exposure at a young age and um now that he has a lot of success it's probably um you know it's it's making it a lot easier to think for guys to get offers i i know you talked to eli and um eli was a lot of the reason why i was able to get the offers just because of he he brought credibility to his group of guys. This guy's getting offers. Um, he's a good player. So then I, I started going to camps with Eli and they're like, all right, well, if Eli's really good and this guy's doing really well at this camp, like maybe this guy can play too. So they started giving me the proper looks. And before that, they used to never give Canadians the proper looks. They used to just think if you're a Canadian, you don't have this type of coaching. You don't have the type of talent, but you know, that Victor Tadondo was the one that brought the, the exposure for me. And I, I would recommend, you know, possibly looking into working with him. If anyone's out there and wants to pursue D one scholarships for football. Absolutely. And when did, uh, when did you originally take your trips down to UVA and, and what sold you on that school? Oh, I took my, I was the last person offered in, in my class just because of my recruiting process was so late. I ended up having to stay for grade 13 in high school. And, um, yeah, I was um, – I had a couple offers, and UVA was just the – it was like an up-and-coming school, and they had a really good academics. But I didn't go – I was really, really late, real late, like just made it in time. Like they offered me very last minute. So I didn't even have a real official visit where, like, they basically – try to like sell you on the school i was like i had a really unique like visit like it wasn't the same type of treatment as like the first guy like five-star athlete would have got but um it was an offer all the same absolutely so. and what was your time at uva like what are what are the, some of the, the fondest memories you had and, and did you have any time there 
or any experiences during your time there that, that really challenged you and uh, challenged you mentally and then you had to kind of dig deeper and you came out on the other end of it? Well, first off, I would like to say anyone who's thinking about going D1 in football, you have to be like so passionate about it. You have to be um, – you got to have the craziest drive because it is – when you go down to the States, it's a totally different animal in, t- in terms of what you're used to probably in high school. Even if you're doing like prep school, it's totally different. It's basically like, it's very similar to military. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. And I know a lot of these schools are similar. It's, uh, I was waking up, they treat, well, my school kind of treated freshmen, you know, pretty harshly. And I remember waking up like 4 a.m. every day and having to like, stressing out having to find a way to to the practice facility just to make it in time and there's so many different rules they had and it was a really hard adjustment at first going from like you know playing high school football at tiss i remember i used to like walk on the field late for practice yeah. and just like sometimes barely even show up for games and just had no worry in the world i just remember my first year i was stressed out all the time i thought i was gonna like all my hair was going to fall out. I was so stressed. So how did you deal with that? You know, what did you, you do to, to deal with that um, transition? Well, you just got to find some good friends on at the school and they'll, they're going through the similar things as you that you can vent to. And, you know, just, I found a lot, I had a really, lot of really good friends there. So we all just kind of were in it together. But, you know, like I said, if you want to go D1 football, it's not going to be a joke. It's, it's really serious stuff. And, um, what was the question again? It's all good. I just asked you, um, one of the things we do on this is we obviously want to celebrate some of the successes you've had at UVA, but we also want to um, paint a very real picture for the young athletes at home listening. So um, just touch base on a couple of successes you had that meant the most to you personally, and then a couple of um, struggles or perceived failures that um, looking back at now, you can kind of see uh, the, um, the silver lining. Well, some of the things I wish I would have done differently was, I think if you ever go to a D1 school, you got to be really patient. I wanted to play right away. And, you know, I actually was playing special teams right away. They didn't even redshirt me. And looking back at it, I regret doing that. If I would have had an extra year, I would have got a lot more exposure from You would have gone to the NFL, 100%. But, um... Um, well, a lot of the, I had a lot of unique experiences. I don't think a lot of people would would be, have the same experiences. I just because I came in there, and I was like very mature in terms of physically, so they were throwing me on the field, and I basically thought I was Superman out there until I started getting a whole bunch of injuries. So looking back on it, I would have been a lot more smarter, a lot more smarter in the field. But uh, some of the biggest takeaways, my best experiences. It just really made me um, – it really humbled me. Not, I didn't start on defense until my final year. I thought I was like this stud coming in, and basically I realized that I was not. I was Physically, I, was, I thought I was better than everyone, but in terms of mentally, I was probably the worst. And it took me like three years to adjust to it. And I started my final year and had some amazing experiences. I remember playing you know, ESPN 1 against Notre Dame, you know, playing my first career start was in the Rose Bowl Stadium against UCLA. I had, uh, like, my career high in tackles. I had, like, seven tackles that game. And, uh, you know, to be honest with, with you, like, all the struggles, like, from not playing enough and, and getting injured for those three years, 
was all worth it when I um, started my fourth year and I had some of the, you know, coolest experiences and things I'll remember for the rest of my life. So it was, it was worth it. But the biggest takeaway is just, if you go to D1 school, I would honestly, as a Canadian, I would choose really be really think about whether you're going to get on the field right away or not, or how will you even get on the field? So I, maybe I should have went to a, a school maybe not quite as good and I would have started all four years and I would have been way more polished defensive end. So those are some things to think yes, about. It's, uh, for, for the young athletes at home listening um, who are maybe you're going through the recruiting process right now and you're not sure how to navigate things, um, context within your recruiting process is very important. So like Trent just mentioned, if you're going to, let's say, whether you're going D1 or you're going somewhere in Canada, like Carleton, for example, um, you want to go check the depth chart out. Do they have do they have five guys who play the exact same side of the field as you uh, as a defensive end? And are they all in their fourth year or do they have a hole that you're going to fill? So it's important to know the situation you're getting yourself into. And that's not to say to shy away from competition, but it's important to know um, who's ahead of you, what their abilities are. And then you got to help you make your decisions that way. Did you have something to add, Trent? Yeah. Yeah, I did. And just uh, going off of that, like you got to realize that football, there's a lot of politics that go into football. Like for example, I was not going to play for my first three years, even if I was better than the guy ahead of me. The guy ahead of me was from Virginia. He was like a, everyone recognized him. He was like a glorified, you know, star in high school from Virginia. Like the home crowd loved him. You know, the coaches could relate to him. They had like, he had like four or five visits to the school. You know, at that point it comes political because I'm this Canadian dude who was the last offer in the class who no one knows anything about, labeled as just an athlete. There's really no chance for me to really play over him regardless. I think, honestly, I think the most important thing, uh, actually, I say one of the most important things is your relationship with the coach mm. who you're, who's bringing you in. Your relationship, with the, it's super important. If the coach doesn't like you, he's not going to play you. So it, you got you to feel that vibe off the coach. Yes. And the, as much yes. as they're recruiting you, you have to treat them just as a number the same way you're a number to them. You have to, you can't be wide eyed and excited about the process. You have to understand that once you get to this level, whether it's U Sports or Canada, it's a business because the coaches are paid to perform. Um, yes, your relationship with your coach is extremely important. It can dictate whether you play at all and your happiness level. If your coach is, you know, a, a dick, if your coach is a dick, then like you're not going to have fun. It's not going to be enjoyable. You want a coach that's going to, like, you know, coach you hard but you're, you're you like you enjoy you know being coached by not some guy that's gonna you know ride you until you you know stress out so much that you you know you don't know what's what to do right and um just quickly i wanted to touch base on something you had tried to do something quite unique with your time at virginia at one point you were trying to be a two-sport athlete am i correct yeah i i did track the one spring and it just didn't work out the spring ball and over in the States, spring ball is actually like the most important time to like improve yourself on the depth chart in the States. And I needed spring ball to like try to get in that rotation at defensive end. So what I realized was I, you know, I didn't have the time to do track and then do football and football. Like, yeah, I just didn't have the time. I wanted to, I wanted to start defensive end at university of Virginia. For sure. And then we're going we're gonna to fast forward the clock a little bit. It wasn't too long ago that 
me, yourself, a couple other guys from Brockville were, were sitting in your basement with your family um, wait, watching the CFL draft, and we were, we were uh, waiting to see where you were going to get taken. So um, do you want to just walk us through the moment when you got drafted to the, uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and, and, and how that made you feel? Yeah, getting drafted in the CFL was a really, um, you know, cool experience. Really cool experience. I, you know, I'm really happy I was able to play there for a couple of years. Um, you know, looking back on it, um, you know, as a, a really competitive guy, I've always wanted to play at the highest level possible. If I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, I was, um, you know, I had weird emotions that day because I really felt like I could play in the NFL. I really felt like I belonged in the NFL. But, um, you know, looking back on it, um, I'm really happy with my time in the CFL. And in terms of getting drafted, you know, now I'm able to, you know, collect my thoughts and realize how great of accomplishment it really is. And, um, you know, anyone who gets a chance to get drafted to the CFL, um, it is an amazing accomplishment, and especially if you're a guy playing in the Canadian school, getting drafted, you know, to the CFO, it's you know a hell of an accomplishment. And uh, so, yeah, you ended up playing three years for Winnipeg. Do you want to just walk us through um, what that experience was like and how it differed from your time at Virginia? What was the transition like? Um, transition. It was very similar. It was very similar playing D one. Uh, the talent wise, it was similar. The guys were just like more mature and a little smarter. Um, they were, and the game was obviously different. Like a yard off the ball definitely changes things. You know, special teams is a lot faster pace. You know, you got three down football, so it's a lot faster. I was playing a lot of special teams, so you know, special teams is a lot more tiring and a lot tougher to play in the CFL than NFL. Um, uh, it was really chill, though. I loved how, like, the University of Virginia was, like, hardcore. Like, every second, there's a schedule for everything. Like, you had to be here at this time, here at this time. Like, super strict, like, military. And CFL was super laid back. They treated you like a professional. And I really, really enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time in the CFL more than I enjoyed my time at UVA because of they treated you like adults and not like little kids in university. And I was able to have the freedoms and do what I want. And, you know, the day before the, the day, like the day of the game, they would just let us like do whatever we want. We didn't have to do like walkthroughs or anything. We were just hanging out and just, I would just sleep and just eat. It was so, it was really good for my mental. I was able to just relax and just enjoy football again. I kind of lost my love for football for a few years at UVA and kind of got it back again in the CFL because it felt like I was just playing and it wasn't, you know, as strict and I was, and they were treating me with like an adult, and I loved it for sure. And you not only um, played special teams, you excelled on special teams. You won like the team belt or whatever you want to call it a few times, right? Or th- well, different special teams coordinators they do different activities, different like scoreboards where they keep track of different points, like a point system. Like whenever you like knock someone on the ground, like on a block, or when you tackle someone or you like lock someone down, you hold him and like, he can't get out of the bo- your, your block. You, there's a point system. And, you know, I did well, a couple, like a couple of weeks on the point system. And I had a lot of knockdowns and I was, a, I turned into a very physical player the one year. And ultimately that was kind of my um, demise. If you, say. Do you want to touch base on I, that? Uh, well, 
if you want to hear the like the dark side of, of playing professional football, I can really well touch into absolutely it because again, like I said, and Eli went in the same direction with his podcast. Is we just want we want to be honest and we want to paint the paint the real picture. Well, yeah, if I'm being a hundred percent real right now, um, football is a very um, dangerous, violent game to play, and um, looking back on it. If I'm being honest with you, I'm not sure if I'm going to let my kids play because, um, you know, personally, I played with uh, I played in games with a number of concussions. I played games where I had multiple concussions in the same game in the same game. And, um, you know, my pride kind of outgrew, you know, my my ability to realize that I was going down a really dark path. And um, I played probably my last four to five years in, of, professional, of uh, football. I played with a very uh, serious head injury. I don't want to get too deep into it because it's kind of personal, but that's kind of why I had to stop playing. I had a very, um, very almost, I had a very bad head, head injury that I played through for the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. I played games. I played multiple games where I couldn't see anything on the field. Um, I wanted to be a professional athlete. I wanted to be a professional football so badly that I was willing to, you know, put myself at harm's way, potentially, you know, dying on the field just to play this sport. And I felt like I was in a really tough position because I didn't want to let my teammates down. I wanted to continue playing. I wanted to continue making money. I, I was my whole life. I've always been labeled as this great athlete. And basically what happened was um, I had to choose between staying with what I was identified as being this great athlete or leaving the game and being, which I thought was like being a nobody. Right. So what I did was I stayed and played probably three, three to five years longer than I should have played football. And I played with a very bad head injury and I played multiple games where I was barely could see anything on Mm -hmm. the field just because of my love for being an athlete, mm-hmm. like we're identified as being this professional athlete, like this God or like this figure. Right. And, and basically um, I felt like I was trapped. I was trapped between um, who I, yeah. I, so a lot, a I lot was, of athletes, I, I, yeah. they struggle with that, whether it's retiring due to um, a head injury specifically, or just stepping away in general. So, um, I obviously didn't play CFL, wasn't a D1 athlete, but I still have thoughts every day about like, it'll just, you know, it'll cross your mind. Oh, like I miss playing sports. I miss that image of me, but, um, I really appreciate you, um, opening up about that because, um, one thing what we're also seeing in the NFL is people are retiring early because like you said, football is a dangerous sport. But I don't want football specifically to be labeled um, because because specifically speaking with uh, all the science that we have access to, the most dangerous sport in the world for your brain is soccer, especially for girls who are under 11 years old. Um, But yes, obviously, Mm. football is an extremely violent sport. Um, And I mean, obviously, I've had that that same train of thought with you as you kind of touched base on. You don't know if you're gonna let your kids play. And where I kind of lay on it is um, I'm so aware of, for example, like 
uh, and what a knee injury will look like or what a concussion will look like. Just because I've been around sports so long, I know when it will be time for my kid to sit out for a month. You know what I mean? Whereas you were so hard on yourself and so competitive, you played through concussions and second impact concussions. So, but, but, but let me say like, there's nothing you can do in the kids in the university and doesn't tell you that. Correct. I, I wasn't telling my dad anything. I wasn't telling anyone anything. So how would you, how would you know, how would you know if your kid is in harm's way and if he's not telling you and if he's, a, he's basically an adult, I was, tw- you know, I'm 26. I was playing the CFL until I was uh, 24. I'm an adult. So absolutely. I, well, at that point, of course, at even that if point. my dad wanted to say anything. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, that's, that's when it gets dangerous though. I remember in high school, I could run through people, with my head down. It wouldn't even bother me at all. I was in, like literally invincible. I felt like nothing could mm-hmm. hurt me. And then you start playing against guys, your own size, and you, you CFL season is like twenty plus weeks, so I had to run through the you know the wedge on special teams. I had to run through guys for twenty plus straight weeks for three years, so it's totally different. Like I was, I'm playing against other guys just as big, just as fast. Absolutely. And the, the, I will say this though: I don't want to scare people. It's I played a very uh, physical game. I was a defensive end. I was a wedge buster on special teams. If you're like a receiver or like some of these other positions, it'll be you'd be totally fine, like barely having, you know, heady, any head collisions. But if you're a big, fast guy like me, I can guarantee you, you're going to be the guy that's going to be constantly plowing your head into people. And I promise you, you will get concussions. I can guarantee you it. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Football is um, basically modern, modern day gladiators. Um, so. One thing I want to get your opinion on, Trent, is um, a lot like me, you're a really process-driven guy. Like, yes, you love playing football, but you also love the things that come with that. Like you said, the, the sprint work, the, the weightlifting, um, the mental toughness, um, just building mindset. So do you want to touch base on just kind of what your process looked like and, looked like and how you approach things as an elite athlete? Well, I think one thing that separated me was from the rest is I actually enjoy like weightlifting. I enjoy like sprinting. I played with a lot of players that don't really enjoy doing that. They were just kind of like naturally did and they love playing football, which kind of made them good football players. I was always like a really good athlete. I never really considered myself a really good football mm-hmm. player. I never really like, I never really like my true passion was never football. I just loved the process and I was a good athlete. So I knew I could make plays in the field. Yeah. And, you know, I'm happy to say that I'm finally, um, after 26 years of my life, I'm finally feel like I'm in the right sport and the right avenue. And I can, you know, talk about that. Yeah, why don't you touch base about, so for you guys at home, um, Trent has transitioned out of football and is now um, going into bodybuilding. So why don't you just uh, talk a little bit about that? All right. First off, you know, when you hear the bodybuilding, you know, you're going to assume of, you know, really large guys and, uh, you know, lack of athletic ability, possibly just like absurdly big guys. Well, honestly, that's not, that's not what I'm into either. And what I'm into is there's this new category. It's called uh, classic physique. And they're trying to bring back like the old modern day, like Arnold Schwarzenegger type of look. And Basically, there's opportunities for guys to make money, get sponsorships, and get paid basically, basically to work out. And, you know, there's nothing I love more in the world than, you know, to train the mind and body. And it's, I'm, I see there's a possible 
avenue into getting um, you know, sponsorships and, you know, traveling if I do well. And I'm going to give it a shot. I'm doing a competition May 16th in Mississauga. And I'm, I got the number one bodybuilding coach in Canada coaching me. And uh, I'm really excited to, you know, I, I've always wanted to look like an action figure, look like an anime character, look like a superhero. And, um, you know, I'm finally going to have the opportunity to take my, um, you know, try to bring that package to the stage. I want to look like a complete alien on stage and I want to look like hmm. a superhero or anime character. And I'm really excited to, you know, to see where this goes. If it doesn't go anywhere, I don't, it doesn't bother me at all. I like working here. I'm going to, I'm going to be making gains along the way and I'm going to be looking good and feeling great doing the thing I love, things I love. And I'm sure, and and I'm I'm, yes, you're getting healthy and I'm sure you're going to do very well. I, I'd be surprised if you didn't have your pro card um, sooner than later, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. I'm, I'm excited to see you compete in May, but um, Trent, last thing I have for you tonight is what is your, what's your take home message for young athletes in the community who in the community and outside the community who want to do some of the things that you've been able to accomplish. They might look up to you, but essentially they're just trying to become the best version of themselves mentally and physically um, through sports. So do you have any advice for them? Uh, Yes, I do. My, my biggest advice is um, if you really want something bad enough, whether it's football scholarship, hockey scholarship, whatever it is, you got to make sacrifices and you got to make sacrifices at a young age sacrifices I made was I had no girlfriends in in high school I didn't drink in high school I didn't do anything I really all I did was train I wanted to do those things I wanted to have a girlfriend I wanted to drink I wanted to party I want to do all these things but I knew that if I was to not to hold up on those things now Mm -hmm. back then that it was going to pay off in the long run I knew that if I was to chill on those things that I um I could have you know sacrifice by sacrificing those things I was able to you know get a scholarship I was able to to make gains you know in the gym and get stronger faster smarter you got to sacrifice things if you want something bad enough and I don't see these athletes nowadays doing that I see them just you know they want that girlfriend they want to drink with the boys they want to smoke they want to do all these things mm-hmm. they don't they don't want to miss meals they don't want to eat you know vegetables they don't want to do all the, the things that it, you know, it entails to be, to be the best. Exactly. So if you really want it bad enough, you know, one way or the other, you know, we'll see, we'll see down the road. Bad enough. It will depend on whether you're willing to make those sacrifices, whether you're going to, you know, choose the stress that comes with, you know, all these, these girls and, and breakups and all these things and partying, or you're going to sacrifice and realize that later on you, you can still enjoy those things later on. You just need to, it's really important to get that, that initial step, mm-hmm. you know, get on this, make yourself notice right from the get go. You can't just, you know, do nothing. And then, you know, be 26 like me and try to make, try to play in the CF. Right. Yeah, no, you have to invest in yourself while you're young and, and, and get ahead of the pack and then stay ahead yes. of the pack. So one of the things 100%. that, one of the things that I've talked about on this podcast before with, uh, whoever Jacob or Reese or a bunch of us have been on now is that uh, you really set the example for a lot of us. So um, we all kind of stole pages out of your playbook in terms of um, being obsessed in the weight room, tr- going to the track and doing the workouts that, you know, you, you say you enjoyed it, 
those are the workouts that, for example, this is actually something your brother said to me, actually. Um, Taylor Corney, Trent's brother, who uh, was a, a really solid track athlete as well, had said to me one day when we were sprinting at the track that these are the, the workouts that aren't fun and that most athletes don't want to do. But this is, this is the stuff that's going to separate you. And, and um, um, that's something that, that Trent has harped on this podcast is that you don't, you don't get to just do the, the training that you want to or that you think is fun. You have to be a well-rounded athlete. You have to be in the gym. You have to do the, the linear speed work, the agility. You have to stretch. And another point Trent made was, um, yeah, like he wasn't, he wasn't partying in high school and, and, uh, on a Friday night we were often in the gym and then in the hot tub and playing pool. So we surrounded ourselves with like-minded people who are on similar missions in life and still to our this day, Trent's, um, Trent's still, um, chasing excellence as a bodybuilder and, and I'm chasing excellence as a business owner. It's, uh, it's different, but it's not really. It comes down to the same thing. So, um, Trent, final final message for uh, the young kids listening at home. Um, my final message is: I also want you to understand that my process. Just be, you want to do the same things I did. Just because I did things the way I was describing mm-hmm. it, you know, it doesn't mean you can't have a girlfriend and be successful. You can't, you know, go out and drink and be successful. I'm just saying that's how I did it. And, you know, if you really want something bad enough, you're, you're going to sacrifice some of those things. I'm a big believer in stress management based off of I try to limit the stress around around me in, in my life. Mm-hmm. And I see those things as stress and stress affects your ability to recover. Best athlete possible. So I wanted a, a stress free lifestyle and I still live a stress free lifestyle. There's obviously going to be stresses in your life that you can't, you're going to have to deal with, but I try to limit them in my life, which allows me to make, can continue to make gains in terms of putting on muscle. I'm able to consistently put on muscle and become a better athlete because of my stress. For sure. Um, so Trent, we, we really appreciate your time. This was another episode of athletic insights. 